2: Welcome to Locked on Bucks slash the Bruhoo podcast slash the Bucksketball podcast. I think that's what it's called. Um, we have a whole mess of people here tonight. Uh, it is not just me and my good friend Frank Madden. It's me and my good friend Frank Madden and my good friend Steve Von Horn and my good friend Jeremy Schmidt. It is a cluster F here on this podcast tonight. Uh, we are going to have a whole bunch of fun and frank i think i'm just gonna give it to steve right like i i feel like i'm on a podcast with steve i should just hand him the ball and let him go
0: i mean i mean steve was my my host that i relied on before before he you know retired uh <laughs> from podcasting and and you took over so i feel like it only makes sense that steve would would lead us through this uh through this fantastic wonderland of of podcasting and uh <laughs> Uh I, I'm just I'm just glad his mic still sounds good. Um, so that was that was that was encouraging. And um, I think, you know, I know we talked beforehand uh, that we wanted Jeremy and Steve on together because each of them has claimed to be the worst. Uh, and, the and now we get to we get to have them duke it out for, for that that coveted title. Uh, tonight, so I don't know. I don't know how much cynicism we're gonna get tonight. Um, but I, I, do know we're gonna get some bucks talk with some of my favorite people. So I don't. I mean, well, first off, Steve and Jeremy, h- how the hell are you guys doing? In your, you know, I always joke about being on the rocking chair on the porch of, of Brew Hoop, Um, But you guys are similarly uh, kind of hanging out, stepping back. I mean,
1: I mean, before we jump into questions, how how are you guys? How Steve? How are you? First of all. Uh, as my formal introduction, and in throwback fashion, <laughs> my guy! <laughs> uh, there's a some portion of your audience will recognize me from years past, either in writing or with my wonderful buttery voice that's now coming up <laughs> the podcast system. Um, but it's you guys have done so much since then, and I know I may be speaking for Jeremy here as well, but um, the, the amount of content, that you guys are putting out. And you know that we did the BrewHoop podcast for quite a while, Eric, you were involved as well. And I was always of the mind of like, I just can't do it if there's ever something that like is not top of mind or something that I really, really wanna talk about. You guys are like out there all the time, every day putting out great content. You're staring directly into the void, the content void screaming more (laughs) and more and more and (laughs) more. And somehow you find the will and the way to just say, we can meet it, we will be there we're going to have more lockdown Books podcasts. So that is amazing. I think your listeners are very spoiled. I think they should, uh, you know, send bouquets of flowers to your family, friends, maybe even your enemies. I don't know. It is, this is a labor, even if it's a labor of love. So all of your listeners are very fortunate. And I, every time I tune in, I say there's no way they could have something useful to say or something to talk about, (laughs) even when it's down to like the, you know, (laughs) debating the last guy on the roster and somehow you guys find a way. So you guys have gotten like really awesome at what you do, first of all. Second of all, I am doing very well Uh, now in Boston. So, uh, you know, my family and I are now officially Celtics fans and we're only going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. But we are. We, we, we are- tagged out. We
0: tagged out, Steve. I was leaving Boston. You were coming to Boston with your family. So it all worked out. We were able to conserve the one person of, of among hoop alumni. One person is allowed to be in Boston
1: at any given time. So I'm glad we maintained that. That is correct. And, yes, yeah, so all of your listeners, um, you know, be be very very grateful that you get this quality of podcasting on such a frequent basis because it is really really good and it's really hard to do and to do it as often as you guys do is honestly pretty amazing like i don't think i could keep up with this sort of pace and i don't know how you feel about that jeremy but
3: i literally could not i mean (laughs) i i when when faced with the sheer volume of posts that every other blog specifically every other bucks blog but every other blog in the world in general is putting out that's when i tapped out i was like nah that's i'm okay (laughs) i don't i don't want to do that i don't i don't have that much to say about mundane things uh so i can't i can't do it so yeah i I applaud the effort and the veracity with which you guys tackle every subject no matter how little the value of the subject is (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, and it, it, it's
3: it's
0: fitting you guys are on together because I think um, even if for some reason people only kind of caught on to listening to us in the last year. I feel like we mentioned you guys, you know, our good friend Steve Von Horn or our good friends friend of the show. Jeremy Schmidt yeah. Friends of the Show. We mention you guys um, it seems like every right, episode, uh, every other yeah. episode. So if people don't know who you are, then um they're probably really confused because we've been referencing you for the last year and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. hopefully it hasn't forced them to turn off. It's like who the hell are these guys? But um but it is great to have you guys and um you know, people who are throwback listeners of the Brewhoop pod will of course recall that Steve had this, um, I don't know, proclivity for just springing kind of random thought provoking questions on me without telling me in advance he was going to do it. And um, we're going to let Steve step back into the hosting chair tonight because he's the only person who actually thought of some stuff to talk about in advance. Um, and, And so I'm sliding the chair back over to you, Steve the the hosting chair you know I don't know what it looks like it's <laughs> some dingy ratty musty chair in a in a darkened studio somewhere um, you actually thought of some stuff beforehand because you're a thoughtful person um, and and we don't know what you're gonna ask us so it, it, I don't I don't know it, it may be it sounds like it'll be remotely related to Bucks basketball but um, why don't you lay it on us and and Jeremy and and Eric and I will we'll take a shot at it and uh, we'll see if uh, us us old time Bucks former, and current bloggers uh, can, can hang with it still.
1: So for any of you who were previous listeners, um, you'll probably know that I'm a bit more deliberate than I let on with some stuff. So Frank, uh, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> glad that you're handing me the mic. And I'm, I'm also glad that you mentioned that sort of my name comes up, Jer- Jer- Jeremy's name comes up, because I think, um, you know, th- these are topics where Jeremy and I have sort of stepped back from Bucks Basketball doing it on sort of a daily basis and you guys are fully immersed fully zoomed in so I wanted to pick out some things of like trying to compare and contrast and get some ideas of you know how you guys consume the game and how you guys think about the game now compared to maybe how we do or the themes that kind of stick in our heads so hopefully the reason we've been brought up is because we talk about some of those Fundamental principles or deep themes of the game, and you know we'll get to revisit them now. So that's good. We'll, Before- we'll talk a
0: lot about the second half of last night's preseason game, right? That's what we're going to focus on, I assume,
1: right? So first off, um, you did say that Jeremy and I uh, are probably in competition for worst Bucks fan, and you know that that <laughs> may mean uh, different things to different. I think people. it was worst we just worst. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but we express it in our fandom of the Bucks. So I think <laughs> that gives us a special badge of honor. Um, but I guess what, before we get into any of these topics, um, for those of you who may not know us, or even those who do, we have different claims for, for being the worst. I think the one thing that unifies uh, you and me is not necessarily the heat of our takes. It's not that we're coming with these, you know, fiery hot takes. It's like that we have these Cold, dead, unfeeling, calculated takes that just keep digging and digging and scratching at things that people don't want to have to talk about. Or, I think in both of our cases, sort of not just ever letting it be like a happy form of mediocrity or almost there which I think the Bucks may finally be reaching escape velocity for that stuff. But you know, I would say that my claims to fame were ruining Brandon Jennings for literally everybody. Yes. Uh-huh.
2: yes. <laughs> and then letting <laughs> you were, myself on un- fire.
1: Of the, you, were ahead
0: of the, you were ahead of the curve on, on basically hating Brandon Jennings.
1: <laughs> yes, and being unabashedly a Larry Sanders supporter, and also uh, figuratively lighting myself on fire twice when the Bucks traded Andrew Bogut for Monte Ellis. So I don't know, Eric, or I mean, uh, Jeremy, what are your claims to fame? And then I want to have sort of like a worst person off. Like, I'm sure we have some, you know, we've like... <laughs> <laughs> claim some opinions that we've just been hiding we haven't really exposed yet and we can maybe do a quick they can be the judges of who has the worst bucks opinion for right now
3: well i think my most famous bucks opinion actually it was so wrong i i was just completely out on chris middleton from the start um in that year the year where they, the bucks were super terrible and he was average i kind of just wrote it off as a fluke and something that shouldn't really be he uh, shouldn't have any attention paid to it but to his credit he continued to rise even when the bucks got good so at this point you know e- even up to his the last year I was really covering the team I was still fighting what I considered to be the good fight about whether or not he was actually that good um but at this point you know it's pretty indisputable that he's a pretty good player um, so congratulations to him on being a pretty good player. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like I feel like, I feel like
0: Jeremy, uh I feel like Jeremy's like big um the thing that he doesn't want you to know as he tries to make his case for being the worst is that Jeremy was from day one just all in on Giannis and That, you know, as much as he's as much as he's going to say that, well, you know, his his worstness is showing shines through and his lack of enthusiasm for Chris Middleton, you're you're unabashed. um, I don't know it, it, It it kind of flew in the face of your kind of general like cynicism sort of cynicism was how much you kind of bought into Giannis like from day one on draft night I don't know if you even knew who Giannis was on draft
3: night well I've, was, I've seen the same things that everybody else had seen but okay. I just liked what I saw a lot more than everybody else liked what they saw I think I, I just saw someone that I thought had uh some unusual gifts as far as how he was looking at the game and approaching the game so that was my big thing with him um I, I guess, like I was never just cynical for the sake of being cynical. I was just very cynical about things that I did not believe in, and it's just uh, more often than not that you're going to be right. You know, in terms of players, are usually not going to end up flourishing. Most players aren't that good. So, like Monte Ellis, you know, I was on the same team as Steve there, where I remember earlier in that day writing something for I think they called it The Daily Dime or whatever it was on e s p n at that time, but I remember writing something about how there's no player that any team should you know desire to acquire less than Monte Ellis, and then about twelve hours Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> And it was it was really heartbreaking, and I, I wrote something along the lines of people should protest, nobody should buy tickets to Bucks games anymore, and I, I remember going to the arena that night or the next night, and somebody from the PR team saying, you know, hey, if you're going to burn the building down, let me know first, so I can get my stuff <laughs> and get out of here. Um, so the Monte Ellis thing, I was super out on, um, and then, you know, I, I remember, the, the, I mean, just I guess in general, the other thing that I've like, I've always kind of fought against, and that I probably would have continued to fight against, was just caring about stuff that doesn't really matter, like anybody Lux on the basketball team. Or? Well, and just like anybody that's ever been on the summer league team that wasn't a first-round yeah. pick. Uh, yeah. All of them don't matter. Like, looking back and thinking <laughs> that I even spent a night thinking about uh, Tiny Gallon is crazy. <laughs> like, that's insane. Who cares? So, I think right now, this is, to me, still... A problem with the way things are covered is that they're covered too thoroughly, which I get because people like that, and I think you know sometimes there's value to it. But it almost harms the world how much content there is out there because <laughs> harms the world. The, well, I think people are addicted <laughs> to the content, and they're just they're, it feeds into their addiction too much, and that's a, that's kind of my biggest issue with uh, sports media in general. All right, all right, all right.
0: We may, I think I may need to run a Twitter poll tomorrow I'll, I'll, after <laughs> people have had a chance to to listen to this, um, you know, and by the way, Jeremy, you were basically cynical about your own cynicism there when I, when I, when I <laughs> that. so that, that's that well played there, but uh, I'll, I'll run, a, I'll just run a poll tomorrow. Who is the, who has the true, you know, championship belt of being the worst and, and we'll, we'll figure it out via Twitter poll tomorrow. But um, I, I don't know, Steve, anything to add on that or, or should we, should we dig in more to, uh, to some of these questions?
1: Well, I want to give examples really, really quickly. Maybe Jeremy and I can do a back and forth. Because like I said, I have I have some, you know, bad, like I'm the worst person <laughs> opinion squirreled up. <laughs> example, example. I'll go first. So uh, when, you know, the news comes out where obviously Giannis is ascended to be, you know, one of the top talents in the NBA. What that number is, whether it's 10, whether it's 5, whatever it is, it's on the rise and it's very – already it's very high sort of in the um, in the packing order of the NBA. And, uh, you know – Sort of tangential to that was uh, then the shoe company starting to pursue Giannis, where it's talking about all these different companies are coming in and sort of lavishing attention onto him and, you know, creating that true sort of race that maybe he's never experienced before, ha- having been sort of a unknown mid-round drafted player. So when I see something like that, a normal person sees that and they're like, wow, that's really great for Giannis. Like, this is like really awesome. You know, look at the Bucks, like getting all this respect. When Steve Von Horn sees that, he says... This is the exact moment when Giannis decides he's going to test free agency, because <laughs> he just he just he's finally seeing what it's like to really be wanted and be bid upon and get to choose where you want to go. So when I see something like that, I'm just like, well, this is when Giannis is going to secretly decide he wants to test free agency. So that's that's my being the worst person example.
3: That's a little extreme for me. My my worst person thing was more like. When the Bucks traded for Tyler Ennis, I'm just like looking through a random month of content on Bucks um, <laughs> The headline I put up was Tyler Ennis doesn't seem all that menacing. Maybe he's a capable point guard. So it was more <laughs> just like uh, I wasn't giving anybody a chance ever. Not like I think you know I don't like it. Logistically, doesn't make sense to me that Giannis would want to leave uh, as long as the team is successful and they're putting the pieces in place. I, I mean, it, it seems like he's going to be fine. So I guess I don't. Um, if the city, situ- it wouldn't really like, I would need to find the logistical, like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. This is why, uh, for it to happen before I think it's going to happen. So, uh, for that, like, I-, I just don't see it. I-, I don't think that sneaker companies have that crazy much influence. Um, I know that they're paying a lot of these players more than the teams are, but. I think the players want to be comfortable. They want to be happy if they're in a situation. It's just hard for a person to move out of a situation that they're happy and comfortable in and that they think can lead to more success. So things like that, um, you know, I don't I used to a little bit. I remember thinking that Nike had kept Brandon Jennings out of the Olympics or something like that at one point, but, um, it turns out he just sucked. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't traveled on those roads so much. So, this might actually be where you have the edge on me in this uh, competition. I was
2: going to say, Jamie, I just feel like your greatest strength as the worst is seeing someone send you a tweet, seeing someone write something, seeing someone talk about something, and you just being like, "Well, that's unimportant." Like, I feel like any Gian- Giannis topic, sure, like you you'd be fine talking about it like that's ultimately a player that's very good that's very important that has a ton of value but if it's uh the sixth guy on any roster in the nba maybe aside from the warriors you're gonna be like meh like
3: not even the sixth guy the sixth guy i think there can be some valuable conversations about but people literally have very very passionate conversations about the 11th to 12th guys and it's just who cares like the way that people fought for tyler ennis on in the comments section of articles was like insane it didn't make any sense who cares about tyler ennis i don't even know if he plays anymore in the league i think he was on the lakers last time i saw maybe or the rockets or who knows he's been like eight teams he's in the league four years so it's just to me those guys at some point i decided that like my brain like flipped a switch and i because i used to write about those guys all the time but then my brain flipped and i was like oh my god this doesn't matter then this is this is crazy that we're talking about this guy Well,
0: Jeremy, did you? I'm trying to remember, and this is going to fall flat if if you don't remember either. But didn't you guys have like some category that you would tag certain posts with? And I forget what it was. I thought you guys had like some tag that was like it might have been like this is so stupid or something like that. yeah, Yeah, it was like something like it was like really like. Like sad things that we write about. So something oh,
3: like, yeah, something like I'll find it. I'll pull it yeah. up. Real quick. Dig, dig I, I know what up you're up.
0: talking about. Dig, dig, that up. I was just looking around trying to find it, but it was about thought-
3: something depressing.
0: Yeah, it was something depress. Yeah, it was something depressing, and and you had that as like a tag on certain articles, um, which, was always, <laughs> my, so which was always one of my, so um, which was always one of my favorite, which was always kind of one of my favorite things when uh, when something was worthy of of getting that. But um, but yeah, I uh, I I don't know. And and by the way, I, I enjoy how we're talking about this stuff, and like it, this whole conversation is sort of like you know uh, a, a uh, the the it's it's weird. I'm gonna call it a subtweet, even though it's just actually just saying stuff. But the, the subtweet of pretty much everything J- Jeremy just said is, how the hell can Frank and Eric talk about the random stuff they talk about? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Guys, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I
3: don't, I don't <laughs> criticize you guys because I understand there are needs to be met. You have needs. You have to meet. You have to be doing the podcast every day. I get it. If you, that's, that's the whole thing. Um, I, I get that. That's why I couldn't do it anymore. And I had to step back because I didn't want to get into a situation where I had to do that. And I, I don't mean to denigrate the work of you guys. I think you guys do a great job. Um, I just I am not capable of that and it's impressive that you guys are capable because the thing is like clearly you're both also leading full lives aside from this and that's kind <laughs> of impressive uh, the, the way that I you know I see both of you and I kind of know both of you and you both are you're good cool people with like good cool lives and it's crazy that you have the ability to like muster the strength to talk about whether or not Dalen Harris, Dalen Moore is on the roster anymore. It's, it's incredible. But on um, the tag you're speaking about was sad and unpopular maybe. Sad and unpopular. That's right. Sad and unpopular
0: <laughs> Oh Steve, that's a that's that's a that's a big mark in Jeremy's favor is the worst. I, seriously, so.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's yeah, he's he's sort of spraying to all fields. He's he's got he's he's got pretty good coverage right now. He's
0: got power to all fields right there with
1: that. <laughs> All right. So actually, this leads into one of my first questions, Um, again, sort of touching on the theme of two of us who have maybe stepped back a little bit, but have done this before and been fully immersed. And you guys who are in there now, uh, I'd like to ask each of you sort of how do you consume basketball, the actual product of basketball? Now, Eric, I know this might be different for you because you're sort of in arena and, you know, but for maybe the away games, you can answer for this one. But I'm, I'm always curious because, uh, in the last couple years that we were doing sort of the blog and podcast uh, double duty for a while, I could never get a good sort of balance between checking my Twitter and, you know, being on the computer and maybe watching a game at the same time. There's sort of so many different ways and inputs that you have for consuming a game where I feel like in this past year I didn't, just didn't tweet as much and it sometimes didn't even watch as much. I'd watch on delay, so it was a bit easier to manage my experience. But I'm just curious with each of you sort of how you wind up functionally consuming the game because I find it to be increasingly challenging to get sort of a satisfying experience out of it where you know you're seeing everything and you're getting everything because Twitter is such a draw and it has so many interesting little bits and tidbits on there, but it sort of distracts from the actual game experience a lot of times. I think
3: the last time I watched a game was um it was a Bucks playoff game and the one that the last one I remember really being kind of immersed in I actually I never used to do this but the last ones I watched were at bars and I remember watching the game where the Bucks came back and then ended up losing still. I think that was like I don't know was that game 4? Game 6. Game Game, game six? 6. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And um the, la- the last Bucks game you saw was the last Bucks game. So,
3: okay. That's pretty okay, good. That's yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty running, good. Pretty yeah. Street. you Well, street the Summer League game. games. I did not watch any of the Summer League okay. games, Well, not so really count, <laughs> yeah. um, No, but I remember I watched that in a bar, and I was actually, uh, before the Bucks started coming back, then I was pretty much exclusively watching via Twitter. I was, uh, I was with my dad and my girlfriend, and I just kept looking at Twitter. Um, the game was like on, almost as background noise. They were having like conversations about other things, and it, the game appeared to be over. But then once the game started to get interesting again, I didn't look at Twitter hardly at all, except for during commercials, and then I was like fully immersed in the game. So for me, I think it's gonna depend on uh, you know, does does this game matter in my eyes and what's going on in the game is it actually a compelling game. The second that it ceases to be compelling, then I'm gonna be looking at Twitter more than I'm gonna be looking at the game. And that may be that may reflect my overall relationship with the NBA at this point where it's it's kind of less important to me than it once was. And I, I don't feel the need to be as immersed in every detail as I once was. But that maybe is how casual fans that also are familiar with NBA Twitter would experience a game where when it's boring, checking Twitter or commercials, checking Twitter. When it's interesting, kind of a little bit more on the game and then checking Twitter during commercials.
1: Well, so let's see what your plan is, though, going into the regular season, if you do plan to watch at the start well,
3: of the season. I didn't even cable last year. I actually just recently got cable again via a new apartment. So was going to be a league pass? You don't need cable. again. No, I don't do league pass. I'm not going to spend, you know, $5 million on Clippers <sighs> games or whatever. Uh, <laughs> i'll 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 watch probably some bucks games but at this point it's just i have a dog I, you know i have things going on it's gonna be hard for me to fully immerse the way i once did i think if the game seems like it'll be interesting i'll probably be more involved um and if it's not it seems very unlikely that i'll even watch the game
2: do you think that day ever comes back for you jeremy that seems really <laughs> unlikely <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's just lower priority there's so much else yeah. to think about and to do and I, it's it's funny cuz like as a kid i never would have imagined that i you know as a kid i always you know was so immersed in sports and so about watching games and now it just feels like you know i have to make dinner i have to attempt to go to the gym i have to get ready for work the next day i have to think about how we're going to handle this or that or whatever um you know thinking about whether or not rashad vaughn's going to play tonight just isn't high <laughs> on my priority list and uh that's you know i don't know i it, it, well, there's another part of this that I want to come back to later, so I'm just going to leave it there for now.
0: Steve, wait. Steve, what did, we joked last year. I don't know if it was a joke. You may have been serious coming in. But, but I know you think you said early in the season that you were only going to watch Bucks games when they were, I think, at or above 500. And we were <laughs> joking. It was always this joke because they were so close to 500 most of the season that like, oh, tonight might be the last night that Steve watches
2: a bucks <laughs> game this year. <laughs>
0: um, I mean, how much... I, and Jeremy, you can jump back in because I'm going to ask a two-parter. So Steve, how many Bucks games... Did you watch last year and I mean, did you watch like random playoff games? Like, did you watch the NBA finals? Like, is that stuff compelling to you Um, or are you kind of also as like just general basketball fans
1: kind of like, eh, not really that into it anymore? Well, first of all, I'm neither of you are off the hook, uh, Frank or Eric. I will still want to get your (laughs) your answers because I am very, very curious, but to answer your question directly. I actually did wind up watching a lot of. Ba- I'm I'm still very much interested in consuming basketball as a product. Uh, I have NBA league pass. Good basketball. Good basketball. Am, right, yeah, Steve. That's, you, that is right. I am I am out of market, so I did skip around the league a little bit more. You know, I was watching Rockets games. Uh, hard to watch West Coast games uh, out out here in Boston, which um, I know Frank, you managed to do somehow, but it's very very difficult. So I mean, a lot more sort of Eastern Conference or sort of like those. You know, you could find maybe Mountain Time Zone games that I could see. Um, But just sort of skipping around the league, watching the Jazz, watching the Rockets, getting sort of a flavor of the league when the Bucs weren't over 500. And sort of the reason I did that is, um, you know, just sort of it it takes a little bit of effort as well to sort of break a habit. Not that it was a bad habit to be watching a lot of Bucs games, but I did want to sort of get a broader take of the league because I was always so focused on the Bucs of seeing every Bucs game all the time and sort of fitting the other games in wherever they could be. Where I just wanted to say, you know what, this year I know the Bucs aren't going to be contending for anything important really. Um, so I'm going to just you know take a flavor of the league, see what I like about watching, which games I enjoy the most, and using the league pass sort of to its fullest ability, which is to flip around and find the games that are close, or you know the ones that you don't have to wait for lags in action or maybe have low leverage sort of score differentials going on. Um, so I just kind of flipped around between games that interested me and got different flavors of all the calls and, you know, the weird sort of, every night NBA excitement that happens because it's just one night the, you know, Sixers decide to play really well or Joel Embiid is out on the floor scoring 20 in like 10 minutes or something. Like there are all sorts of little tiny micro stories that happen in the league that are just so fascinating to borrow a word from Eric. I I think I have to borrow that word if I want to use it. I I Uh, think
2: you're right. Yeah. (laughs) Especially on this podcast.
1: Interesting is my
0: word, Steve, but fascinating. That's Eric's.
2: Yeah. All right. Um, But so I, me,
1: it was sort of just taking a broader sample of the league and um, sort of, you know, my Twitter uh, group in general. I think I follow a lot of NBA people who happen to be fans of a lot of different teams. So sort of taking in those little, um, I don't know, those little micro territories of Twitter and just seeing how and interacting and jumping in and jumping out kind of of the slip streams of different games to see what was happening. So I actually really enjoyed that experience. And then when the Bucks started to play better uh, down the stretch and were above 500 and sort of pushing, I actually stuck around for a lot of those games as well. And, you know, in the back half of the year, they had a lot of those really close wins as well, which is, was pretty exciting. Uh, if I was channeling the worst in myself, I'd say, well, you can't count on close wins. And maybe, you know, <laughs> when you look at the score uh, at the point, point differential or the Pythagorean theorem, uh, you know, eh, maybe the Bucks weren't as good as they actually showed. But I won't do that now because we're not doing the worst thing anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that I think is... is Polling is still mind. open, Steve. Polling <laughs> is still open. You might lose people here, uh, but go ahead. So, I mean, really, I guess that's that's my answer. Sort of getting just all the different star star players and styles of play in the league and sort of taking everything in, not just from the lens of the Bucks opponent, where I could just actually step in and not have a firm rooting interest in either team and just sort of enjoy the basketball as is, which was different than i had been doing for essentially my entire life.
0: Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm pretty different because I, so I, I watch obviously every Bucks game and I watch probably most Rockets games, at least parts of it, just because of my wife being a, a Rockets fan. And, um, who was it? Some, somebody tweeted at me a while ago, uh, about how I mentioned my wife being a Rockets fan more like probably the third most thing, uh, besides talking about Steve and, and uh and jeremy um but uh but it's true i do watch a lot of rockets games which obviously last year especially was was fun um but i have to say like i i generally have very little interest in watching just like a random nba game actually my wife is probably more interested in watching a random nba game just as background noise than than i am which is kind of weird but also kind of awesome because um i think if my wife wasn't a huge like basketball fan I, i'd actually i'm curious like how sustainable sort of Everything has, you know, would have been the last few years as far as being such a big fan, um, but yeah, I mean, I would still say so much of my interest in the game is is predicated on, and I think we've talked about this in the past, um, sort of there's the sense of community and shared experience and history that you have with, you know, a team, right? And and obviously players change over time, um, but. Right. Knowing that, like my parents go to games still at home, and they're season ticket holders, and I want to talk to my dad about a game, and knowing that I can talk, you know, I'm going to talk to Eric about the game, and we have, you know, on Twitter people talk about the games, and you know, just sort of sharing the hopefully the positive things with with a group of people. Um, there is still a very big sort of tribalistic component to me that that is is the is is a big hook for me, um, and and that's I think why I don't you know, like if it's a random Thursday night Warriors game, like I'm probably not going to watch. Um, and I think Steve, just to kind of answer, I, I mean, I did watch the, the, the finals and everything like that. You know, I watched the last two rounds of the playoffs and, you know, was, was very much into that, enjoyed it. Um, but I would say I also don't like, I don't have the same, like Steve, and I think I Steve. I think we watch, we have a little bit different angles just cause like, I don't have the same sort of just like you know reverence for watching good basketball which i guess is really the product of watching bad bucks basketball for 20 some <laughs> years i guess i just am conditioned to a, to be okay with that um <laughs> But yeah, I, I even though I don't know, I mean, even though I think doing what we've what we've all done where we've written about the team and you know had to kind of be at least somewhat objective about what we're seeing and you know jeremy and and Eric, obviously covering games and I think that probably breaks down your your inner fan a lot more than than what you know I went through or what Steve went through, just watching games and covering the team sort of from afar um, but I still have that kind of you know sort of childlike um view of of rooting for a team and and being kind of part of this bigger thing um and i think that's why to be honest i'm surprised i still watch you know every bucks game like if you told me five ten years ago that i'd be married and still watching every bucks game and you know covering them on some level i'd be like wow really like nothing better to do like you don't have a (laughs) Something that would (laughs) that. Um, so you're you're uh, making model ships or something. Yeah, exactly. So, so I don't know, but um, but yeah, and and I think as far as like Twitter and things like that, I mean, I usually have Twitter open, but I agree, it's kind of hard, like doing second screen stuff. I think it does diminish your ability to kind of take everything in. I'm, I will say this: I was glad that I didn't have to write about games last year because, like, when you're trying to like take notes during a game and follow Twitter and occasionally record Vine videos, and you know, it's just like. I think it definitely impacts the way you view it and um, and so uh, yeah it sometimes I like just unplugging from Twitter for most of a game and sometimes people are like what are you not where are' you not tweeting it's like I'm watching a game I don't know <laughs> you know it's like sometimes it's nice to just sort of focus on the game and just watch the thing which is the whole point of
1: it what about you, Eric? I know that you're also very active. You and Frank are both pretty active on Twitter during games. Do you find that you kind of fall into the vor- vortex of Twitter? Or is sort of the in-game environment different? Or maybe for those road games, you know, how do you handle that?
2: Uh, I think the big thing for me, I, and I would say my experiences with road and home games are very different. Um, I would say I, I'd agree with Frank in that one of my responsibilities at ESPN Milwaukee is not to write game recaps, is not to do gamers. Um, So because I don't have to do that, I'm not taking notes, I'm not pre-writing things, I'm I'm not really focused on some sort of finished product that has a deadline an hour after the game, which I, I think is is something that allows me as opposed to other reporters to really focus on and again I don't even, I don't know if focus on Twitter is the right thing but be able to share my thoughts on Twitter and interact with people on Twitter during a game I'm able to do that because I'm I'm not physically writing 500 words that mm-hmm. needs to be ready to go 10 minutes after I get the chance to talk to Jason Kidd. Like, that's not something I have to do. So I am able to get into Twitter and kind of do all of that. Um, as far as how I try to do it, I think Jeremy can probably speak to this. There are games where I make sure that I sit by myself, and or ma- not necessarily by myself, but in a section of the press area where I'm not going to be... Uh, I'm not going to end up talking to people. Um, if, I, if I sit next to Jeremy for a game, when Jerry, Jeremy just comes to games, I was going to tweet consi- considerably less because we'd end up talking basketball. If I sit next to Alex Bowder during a game, I'm going to tweet considerably less because i'm going to be talking to him about the game so there are nights obviously where i do try to talk to those people because i like to hear other people's thoughts on the game of basketball and i really enjoy those conversations Uh, i know i think game six i was sitting next to rob mahoney uh from sports illustrated and i wasn't tweeting very much because i'd think Rob is a generally just fascinating person. And there i it was, is. It there is. brilliant. There it she is. We're brilliant. in the groove. We're in the groove now. Yep. yep. Okay. <laughs> uh but yeah, I I, I th- like Jeremy said, he is brilliant. So
3: I was like Okay, I actually uh, literally thought to myself yesterday for some reason that he is, I think, my favorite basketball writer.
2: Yeah, he's so smart. And if you haven't listened to the Breakaway podcast, um, both of you, I think, are podcast uh, consumers. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to the Breakaway podcast, do that because it's really awesome. Um, but during games, like if I'm if I have the chance to sit next to someone that I think is very smart and I can learn something from, I'll go talk to them and tweet a little bit less. But other nights, I'll make sure that. Okay, last game I sat next to Jeremy, I sat next to Alex, and I talked basketball the whole game. So tonight I'm going to just kind of dig in and try to get some depth to my analysis tonight and tweet out some stuff. So um, I think I'd, I'd do that as much as possible. I'd try not to really look at other people's thoughts about the game. I will only tweet my thoughts and then also see kind of how people react to that like if they have a question about something i tweet out i'll try to keep that conversation going about the game um so that's generally how i do home games and i think generally that's pretty easy because i'll be sitting on floor level so the game can be going out in front of me while i'm typing um so i can kind of do some tweets that i mean i'd need a proofread before i actually tweet them out hopefully during a stoppage and play um but i can tweet some of that stuff out Uh, So that would be how I do home games, and I guess away games, most of the time, it's going to be by myself either in our studio downtown or at my house where I have the TV right in front of me and I'm by myself. Um, So literally Twitter is the conversation that I'm having, so I'll have my computer in front of me, tweet it out, and do that. Um, As far as consuming other basketball... I think largely the way that I consume other basketball is if I'm in an arena pregame, I'll watch whatever game is on. If I'm po- post-game after the game, I'll do the same thing while I'm working on stuff. Um, if I'm at home, it's going to be probably my computer in front of me, working on stuff, writing stuff, and then there'll, there'll be a basketball game on my TV. Like my, I will have League Pass on my TV, and that'll be that, and I'll kind of go that way. So... Um, I. I try to watch as much basketball as possible, but I think when I, I'm as honed in on one basketball team as I am, I think it's it can be really difficult to try to balance any other basketball watching. Like uh, there'll be basketball on my TV. How much am I actually taking in while I'm working out other stuff? I I don't know. Some, none, yeah. very little. Yeah. I I don't really know. Um, but that that would be kind of my. My base basketball consumption.
1: And that really is an interesting thing. That's sort of the 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 core kernel of the question is really like are you know, are you satisfied with how you're consuming basketball? Because I think I like Twitter, I like watching basketball games, putting them together, I like something, but I come always sort of not completely always satisfied with like the mix between the two. And it sounds like we're all sort of balancing in a different way. Uh, you know, Jeremy's just like, eh, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, overall it is, I, I'm sure many people are sort of try to balance this too. And the Twitter community is very active during the games, but it is, it's just an interesting sort of modern challenge for watching basketball. Cause you can watch so many more games. You can interact with so many more people online and yet, I don't know if I'm watching games less attentively than I did before or I'm actually smarter about how I'm seeing it because I can, you know, take in sort of the wisdom of the crowd as well. So I don't know. I think everyone
3: is doing everything less attentively than they were
1: doing it before. (laughs) Old man Jeremy over here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So now this is going to sound like sort of an awkward and clumsy transition. But what I'm doing here is um, (laughs) for anybody out there who may have been, you know, maybe they weren't as excited about this conversation. I'm going to do a... A break where if uh, Frank and Eric wanted to split this into two podcasts, they could because I still have more topics to discuss.
2: Fall has arrived at JCPenney, the perfect time to refresh your home. From now until Sunday, get up to 50% off select comforter sets, furniture, and the most comfortable mattresses from top brands like Tempur-Pedic, Sealy, Beautyrest, and more. And save 50 to 60% on select sheet sets, plus an extra 15% with your coupon on select home items. Hurry and soon. That's getting your pennies worth. JCPenney. Coupon valid 928 to 10.9 on select home items, furniture, and mattresses. Prices valid 928 to ten one. Selections vary by store while supplies last. Fitting on regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may and taken. Some exclusions apply. store or JCP.com
0: for details.